track like a dog I'm a phone from them mouth like I'm having a seat They ain't never pick up when I call When they call my phone back at the time, I don't need them I never put trust in my dog When I'm working, go hard, I don't wanna see them Honey bands, I'ma live like a feeder Lemon squeeze on the back of the Nina Run it up, run it up I got a money fever, tell me Is your mind made up? I'm not a normal creature Plenty of nights we stayed up I'm a miss from a breather Plus I got my mind made up My logic will form the people right, Welcome back to another edition of This Week in College Football Brought to you by CFB Talk Daily Today is Saturday, August 10th A uh, fairly short episode today Because we have the first of many good interviews coming up uh, Today we're going to have a UNC commit uh, came on Rucker coming on, uh, and then behind him we have A&M, and then you know, a couple other high D1 commits coming on, guys still in high school talking about their season coming up and uh, the road they took to committing. Uh, also, uh, we are bringing on, if you remember when we did our pack review, uh, Max Torres came on. He's a writer out of Oregon. He's going to always be on Hot on the Trails with John. Uh, those two are going to have an East Coast, West Coast uh, opinion on both things, so they know their stuff on that so we're actually just going to do questions and then we'll do the interviews and hot on the trails with it so uh john if you have the questions in front of you and you want to start with the first question we have also mike is not here he is working uh so uh, rest in peace mike for this week's episode yes mike actually got taken by the pirates that took me a few yeah, weeks ago they came back and took mike which so knowing mike, mike will probably be on because he loves the pirates they'll probably return mike within a week yeah all right, so, uh, John, if you have the first question off, you can... Uh, first off, I'm pretty sure you said uh, on Rucker's name wrong, but... Uh, well, Kamon? Yeah, you said Kamon, which uh. is definitely not your say his name, and which is actually terrible because his dad's an awesome guy, DMs us, he's an awesome guy, so shout out to them. But our first question here is uh, from Isaac Gogol. Does an undefeated Houston make the comfortable playoffs playing three ranked teams according to the coach's poll? Uh, so, so you can start this one first, because I, I, I want to think about this a little bit. All right, so uh, for me, it depends on a few factors. I think winning the games for Houston won't be enough. I think they'll have to win in an impressive fashion, and they would have to, because we saw UDF play anyone. They, got, they didn't get in, and I think Houston is a lesser talented team than UCF, and I think it's very hard for a group of five teams to make it anyway. But if they beat those three teams in an impressive fashion, I think they may get in. It, it also depends on the other teams around them. You know, if, if there's like three power fives that are undefeated and one power five with one like good loss, say you in Alabama or something, they're not getting in. So I, I think something that actually helps them is one of the three games is against, you know, they open the season in Oklahoma and that's at Oklahoma. So right now, I think in the coaches poll, Oklahoma was, let me check before I say, they're uh, four. So right there, you have a win against the top five country uh, team in the country. And then, you know, if they go on, they, you know, let's say they went out, you know, then you have wins against uh, Washington State, who's at 21, where at that point in the season, they might fall out of the top 25. And UCF's at 17. And UCF is a team that I think they're going to hover in the top 25. I don't see them falling out. But like what you said, uh, Winning the conference is obviously big for them because then they would have to obviously be UCF. So I, I don't want to say I give them a shot, but I think that they would have actually a pretty good argument if they went out and they beat Oklahoma week one at Oklahoma. Uh, so they have they have a good argument if they're undefeated going into the uh, college football playoffs. Yeah, but what if Texas wins the Big 12 and is undefeated? Alabama wins their... Uh, conference undefeated. 
Clemson's undefeated and Ohio State's undefeated. Then you have four undefeated Power Fives. Yeah, UCF. I, that's I mean, uh, Houston. Houston, that's yeah, got no, some I, good ranked wins. In that case scenario, well, yeah, in that case scenario, I think if there's ever three Power Fives that are undefeated, and or conference champs, or even just yeah, just conference champs undefeated, and um, maybe one team like a Georgia with one loss in the SEC, no shot a group of five gets in. I don't, that, I don't think it happens. And I've said it from the beginning of the season uh, that if, if if we see an SEC championship game where it's Georgia, uh, Alabama, and they're both undefeated, and that championship game is a close game either way, uh, I, I still see the committee giving them a, a, like a bid in, even at one loss in a conference championship, because I'm sorry, they, they are both one of the top four programs in the country. You know, they're probably, you know, I, they're in that picture if they're not at least top four program. Well, at least Georgia. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, okay, so our next question is from our friends over at the opening drive. Uh, what unranked team has the best chance to make the college football playoff? Uh, do you want to touch one off? Um, We're yeah. going to use the coaches poll for this, by the way, just because right. the other polls aren't out. So. so, yeah, so we'll go with the coaches poll. And the only team, honestly, that I really see on here that could give a legit shot is probably and it hurts me to say this guy hate them so much is probably Miami uh, because Miami does play a, f- a favorable schedule I mean they'd have to go through Clemson in the championship game and uh, I don't think they're better than Clemson but you know every uh, blind what's a blind squirrel finds a nut something like that you know so Miami you know if they get lucky they play a good game against Clemson they go undefeated but that's the only team on that list of the not ranked teams that I really think has a chance okay uh, i disagree uh i'm gonna go with nebraska as much as i don't believe in the hype i think adrian martinez and you know they're gonna be a better team this year and if you win the big 10 west on undefeated all you have to do is win the big 10 championship game and you have a very impressive resume i actually did see nebraska on there but i, I think nebraska like you said is going to be a very good team this year i just don't think they're going to oh, be i don't think they're going to but i just Oh no! I, I yeah, no. I I I agree. That's the only reason I didn't take Nebraska is honestly because I saw Miami, and I think Miami has a better shot because of the way the conference is. Yeah, yeah. Miami does have a weaker regular season, um, but I think that will be um, like their regular season schedule is a lot easier than Nebraska's. Nebraska plays powerhouses. Yeah, every so, week. Yeah, yeah, so I think Miami that's an easy one. They play a bad Florida State. They do play Florida week one. Against elite Felipe Franks. Yeah, and that's you know that could be a game where like it hurts Miami because with Martell coming in, like they still, uh, I haven't really heard. I mean, unless you've seen differently, there's no like clear cut like Tate Martell is the quarterback or he's not the quarterback. Like it's you know, no, got, booed getting, the, got booed in the scrimmage. Yeah, we're getting close to week one. I mean, and there's still a quarterback controversy, so that's something that could come into play week one against Florida, who doesn't have a quarterback controversy, who they know who they're trotting at week one. Yeah. By the way, uh, credit CFB Talk Daily on the Martell got booed. Uh, yeah. Definitely credit us. Um, okay, Talk so from fake coach to Matt Mum, which college football coach would you want to have your back in a street fight? So I saw you answer this, and I actually agree with your answer so much. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um. 
I'm trying to think of some other ones just so we don't go with, with the same coach at Orgeron. So you, oh, no, no, no. We, we can talk about it. We, you talk about your pick real quick, and I'm going to do some research. Well, if I had to take anyone in a street fight, I'm taking Kojo uh, from the Bayou uh, Gumbo. Uh, you know, have, have you seen Kojo? He, one, he's jacked. Two, if you don't think that man takes smelling uh, the sniffing salts between for like every quarter, you're wrong. Every interview, every time he's in front of a camera, that man is ready to go. So I think in a street fight, he'd be he'd be so ready. I think uh, him, you know, maybe uh, some other coaches. I think maybe Saban, because like Darth Saban, if he gets to bring his life uh, lightsaber, maybe he win the street fight. But uh, what about you? So after intensive research that just lasted about a minute, uh, I've came to the conclusion that in a street fight, I would love to have Charlie Strong by my side. Is it because his last name is Strong? One, one Charlie Strong is a, he's huge. Like he's a big guy. Well, he, he, some would say he's strong. His last name is Strong, and like I've never met a person with the last name Strong that isn't strong. You know what I, I mean? Like I haven't met a person with the last name Strong. I don't think I have either, so the, the theory still exists. Yeah, fair point. Um, yeah, I think I would take Coach O, though, just because if he can motivate you know LSU to go out there and play with like full like intensity, knowing they're not going to score more than 14 points, then that's a guy I want in a street fight. He also, like, he definitely sits in his office and talks to Mike the Tiger all day. and like it's... Nah, he, he doesn't, because I'm, I'm part of my take. He said... Uh, I, I get all that administrative stuff done in the morning before practice, and uh, th- th- then I get to work. Yeah, but you know that like when he's doing that administrative stuff in the office, Mike is just roaming around, not in a cage, like he's roaming around. So like, Coach O is a tiger whisperer. Maybe, maybe Coach O, maybe when they win a national championship, that's what they're gonna tiger whisperer because he got the LSU offense to produce, and he's just gonna ride Mike the tiger around the stadium. Off into the sunset when he retires. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So, uh, do you think the committee will allow the Big Ten champion in this year? Or we have to watch another SEC conference title for half the playoffs again. Uh, I think the Big Ten champion should always get in if they have. I think I think Ohio State should have been last year. Been pretty vocal about that. I think one loss to an emotional Purdue team that was riding the emotional high of Tyler Trent should not have hurt the Buckeyes that much. I mean, after all, they probably had one of the top quarterbacks in college football. Uh, their defense was a little shaky. But I think the Big Ten champion, as long as they don't have more than one loss that isn't too ugly, they should probably get in. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the Big Ten champ should get in. Because it's not like we're talking about a terrible conference here. The Big Ten is one of the premier conferences in football. Second and it's half. a different and it's a different style of football, too. So that's, that's also a part of it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I think that they, it depends, like what you just said, it depends on a lot of, you know, the records going into it, the losses, good loss, bad loss, you know, like like Ohio State last year, even with a loss, uh, I think that game against Michigan should have propelled them up because Michigan was one of the premier defenses in the country and they did whatever they wanted off for four they quarters. They blew out Michigan. So I think, like, I'm, ag- I'm agreeing with you. I think that that should happen. And I, I don't know. I feel like the Big Ten's the second best conference. So, and I think the SEC's the best. I think even though Clemson's good, the rest of the um, that conference really is not great. Yeah, I don't think Clemson picks up the slack for the rest of the conference. No, because like you, okay, you have Clemson. If you put them against the Big Ten, Clemson probably matches up with Ohio State or Michigan. Clemson in that game, depending on the year, because Ohio State certain years probably would beat them. Michigan too. Um, but I think like 
if you put Michigan against Miami, Michigan's probably going to win. If you put Ohio State against Miami, Ohio State's going to win. See, uh, I, I think, like, like when I do conference comparisons, I take, like, the bottom-tier teams. So, like, if, if you take, like, the like a bad team in the Big Ten and put them against a bad team from the ACC, I would ride my money on the Big Ten team winning most times. Like, actually, well, I said most times. Okay. Fair but, like, you know, we're talking about, like, no. Like, uh, I'm trying to think who was. Even the- Northwestern, like. Well, Northwestern played for the championship last year, so I wouldn't call them a bad team. I know, but I'm just saying, like, if you go down the list, like, Northwestern would have to play, like, a VT. Virginia would have to play, like, a Wisconsin, which they wouldn't be able to match up against physically. Like, no, they the wouldn't. Big Ten deep conference, I'd say. It yeah. may fall off at the bottom, but it's deeper overall. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree. I think Maryland is, like, Maryland would do very well in the ACC. Yeah, probably. Um, if they could stop killing guys. Um, <laughs> Brandon McCaws asked, what are the chances a non-QB wins the Heisman? So I, I didn't I didn't do the math for this one. I, I'm just going to put the put that out there. Did not do the math. Not a big math guy. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a few guys who could do it this year. Don't think it'll happen. I think Jonathan Taylor, Wisconsin, he's on pace to break a rushing record. So I think if he does that, I mean, that's that's impressive. If Wisconsin's a contender, he's their best player, so they're going to ride him. And if he puts up those rushing yards again, three years in a row with, like, I think over 1,800 rushing yards or something like that, I know he rushed for 2,000 yards freshman season. If he does that again, I think he'll win a Heisman at some point at least. Rondell Moore. I think Rondell Moore is the other guy who could potentially win one. But it's so hard as a receiver. I think it's a quarterback and a running back award. But I think it comes down to, like, either Jonathan Taylor Rondell Moore, and uh, that, that's probably about it. Yeah, I I agree for you, like, word for word. Like, it's it's a quarterback, running back award. Uh, it's tougher receiver, like you just said. So I, I, I would agree with you, but uh, we have the same list for the guys who, are, who, would, who would win it as non-quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I think it's those two. Um, I'm trying to just think of another one to get outside of, like, you know, like the, what do you call it? Just like the, it's definitely the, guys the favorable missing. picks. Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe Clemson's running back. If, like, just say Trevor Lawrence goes down, I, I can't think of his name right now. Travis Etienne. Etienne. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but. Yeah, Travis Etienne. It's literally just Etienne. Uh, if Etienne gets hurt, I mean, if Trevor Lawrence gets hurt and Etienne becomes, like, a feature back and they ride him to the college football playoffs, uh, I could see him winning a high. But I could also see maybe, like, uh, a J.K. Dobbins if we're just. I, I don't think he will. But his production, I'm pretty sure, has went up every single season. Uh, no, it dipped last year, but he had an impressive year before that. But he's no longer sharing a backfield, so maybe, you know, in an option offense with Justin Fields, like, maybe, I don't know, maybe he puts up the numbers. I don't see it happening, but I'm just trying to speculate here. Uh, from Mark Lacey, he's got a few questions for us here. So just, uh, go qu- off, just go question by question. No, first off, biggest upset of the year. We might have the same one. What is it? Uh, week two at Michigan Army. Oh, no, I disagree. Although, I think that one could happen. Uh, Kelvin Hopkins, great guy, was on the podcast, so uh, we will always defend his honor. Um, but I think that I would go with Syracuse upside in Clemson. So, I, I, we've talked about this before, and I kind of, I kind of do agree with you where Clemson has a tough, tough time playing Syracuse. But I think that just, like, the magnitude of upset, if Army beat 
Michigan. Oh, no, it's definitely a bigger upset. You're right. Yeah. But I think, I also think, I think there's two losable games on the Clemson schedule. I'm not going to lie. And they both come within the first three weeks. Well, you have what, Syracuse and probably A&M? Yes. A&M, that is such a tough game. Because they can I, match up, yeah. as much as people don't want to admit it, SEC teams can match up physically against Clemson. Yeah, absolutely. And Clemson's D line is not going to be as strong, and A and M is a ground and pound football team. Mm, I don't, I don't know. I, I watched a lot of Clemson's spring game, and their defensive line looks just fine. No, yeah, they have a lot of guys. But that's going against Clemson's like I don't know, Thomas. He's going to be really good. They're not going to be bad, but you know when you're going up against you know big Texas boys like you never Texas men, you never know. Yeah, all right. I, I, I agree with that game, though. That, that and the Syracuse good. one, I'm all aboard the Tommy DeVito hype train. We've been through this. Yeah, we have. Guy, wise guy. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, first coach to get the hammer. We definitely agree on this one. Is he in the Pac-12? He is indeed in the Pac-12 in the state uh, of California. Yes, USC, Mr. Two-Star himself, Clay Helton. I think after, like, we... I think the... I think he gets to see uh, the first week of October. So, f- funny thing, me and uh, Max actually talked about on the trails because we, we actually dabble into the school a little bit later where me and him, he said, we just we actually debated on if they give him the Lane Kiffin fired on the runway treatment. We Yeah, we know. We talked about that as well a while ago. Yeah. Look, I think he gets fired. I think USC can get a big-name coach. They're not landing guys... People understand that coaching college football is so much more than just on-the-field product. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Recruiting is such a big thing. If you can't get guys on campus, boosters, people are going to be upset. And USC, like, is one of those schools where people, like, actually give a damn. You know, like, they're, they're pissed when they don't land four-star guys. Seeing a five-star that was projected to go to Clemson, I mean, projected to go to USC, not from California, not even have USC in his top four, is, like... Well, it was mind-boggling, and that just shows how much faith has been lost in Clay Helton. And I think that's a good, looking at, like, recruiting, I feel like is a good way to see what, like, players think of the program. Yeah, I agree with that. So, yeah, I, I think he's uh, so, thought so. I, I just want to tail off what you just said before I get to what I was just, like, going to say after this, but because you just brought up recruiting with, like, college coaching. And I've always said this, like, college guys – who are successful in college and then go to the NFL. Like, I feel like a lot of the coaches don't realize that you don't in college. It's literally, it's essentially your roster. Like, you know, you decide who you want, you pick every single hand pick where I feel like in college, I mean, in the NFL, it's not as hand picked as it is in college. Like yeah, you, you have a salary cap. So you're restrained. Oh yeah, exactly. But so the main point I was going to get to, I'm looking at USC schedule and I see them starting off. Let's see. I'll give them the win against Fresno State, but Fresno State's a good team. Now their defense is serious. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I'm I'm just going to give it to them just because I'm a good guy because it doesn't get any better. Uh, I think they lose to Stanford. Um, I think they lose to BYU. Oh, lose to I, I don't know about that one. It's at BYU. BYU's a good team. Okay, I'll take your word for it. Uh, lose to Utah, so that's one and three. And then they play Washington and Notre Dame. Oh yeah. Back. Okay. They're starting at so, one five. Well, yeah. Well, you're so you're looking at one and five. So and you know, I said what second? I think he gets to see October twelfth as the head coach. Maybe if he goes into Washington and loses bad, then he gets the tarmac treatment. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, but then, I mean, like what you just said, USC is not a program where they're going to have to worry about getting a coach. Like, they, they fire him, and then they can immediately hire essentially anybody they want to come in and, and lead that program. And I've said who I think it's going to be, and people yeah. have agreed with me. We, we also talked about this uh, on Hot on the Trails. I disagree, though. We've, I mean, we talked about it a bunch, like um, on yeah. like our own podcast, like on our like main yeah. stuff. But uh, like, so what? Ten people heard it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but so I mean, you can really hire anybody you want. You know, a better recruiter than hell, and he's done a ton. I still think the the biggest mess up they had was letting Edwards John walk. When he was there, that team rallied around him, and even when he left, like, you want you want to play for these uh, Trojans? Well, he he like tweeted out after they had hired. I guess I guess it was Helton. Mm-hmm. And so after they hired Helton, and he had obviously found out he wasn't going to get the head coach job full time. He was just an interim. He tweeted out like, you know, we have something special in this pro. They have something special in this program. Fight on! Like, why? Well, a lot of people who would lose their jobs would just you know say thanks for USC. Yeah, and that's yeah but Kosho K- said like USC was his dream job. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I would lo- I want I would love to have a dream a guy who wants to be here who's his dream job coaching my program. So I think that's a huge mistake to let him walk. No, I, I agree, especially especially because he's a top notch recruiter, and he could do so much with the talent that USC gets on talent on de- on defense. Although I would argue that LSU gets more talented defensive players on campus than USC because yeah they do, or either that or they just develop them much better. Um, new TV personalities. I don't know if that's a question. I think he wants to discuss it. I am looking forward to Thursday nights with Cuzzo. Um, you know who I'm talking about? No, I actually have no idea who you're talking about. I have <laughs> no, you don't know who I'm talking about? No. What? The, the Colts punter. Oh, McAfee? Yeah. Pat McAfee. Ah. But to, honestly, I... I I hated McAfee when he was at Barstool. Yeah, but, but just think, you're watching a Thursday night Akron-Kent State game, and you hear, oh, for the brand, what a nice 60-yard punt out of bounds. You can't tell me it's not going to hype you up. No, you're a special teams guy go nuts over the big-time special team plays. I think I think the Colts announcers had him come in for like a drive in the, like last season. Or it, he definitely announced some game at some point during the season. And he's he definitely announced one <laughs> he he's a much better announcer than he is like a blogger or like a, a personality like he was for Barstool. I didn't like his time at Barstool, so I, I think that I hope that he tries to be more of a commentator than a comedian because I don't find him to be funny. But I that find him great, dude. I, I I think his stories about his playing days are fantastic. Like I've heard like some of his stories about his playing days. Like if you guys haven't heard it, uh, definitely go listen to the one he has about Peyton Manning playing roulette, winning like five games in a row. Love some roulette, but uh, like that. I actually did not know that he was on the Thursday night crew. Now that's actually, I, I like McAfee as him like talking about his playing experience. He is also uh, Ryan Leaf is also. Yeah, but um, didn't Leaf do something? Pre- like, this isn't this isn't Leaf's first go around with commentary, yeah, right? It might be. I, I I don't know. I don't remember. Honestly, um, biggest player booms and busts. All right, I like booms. I'm all in on a few guys. Rondell Moore, because uh, I'm, I'm a big Rondell Moore guy. 
boom, I'm going to go ahead and say J.K. Dobbins, Ohio State's running back. Another boom, I'm going to say Shea Patterson. And then I'll let you say your booms, and I'll go to my busts. So I was high on Kelly Bryant before Kelly. Oh, no, Kelly Bryant came back to practice. Never mind. He didn't. You read me that article, and it was a big BS load. Yeah. Uh, so I actually am, uh, I guess, booming on Kelly Bryant. Uh, I think that he's going to have a stupidly good year. For some, I just feel it. I, I, I like Kelly Bryant a lot as a player. Um, booming also, I think uh, Kavion Thibodeau has a very, very big uh, freshman year. I don't know if you saw his quote from the other day. You probably did about his sacks number. I didn't. So there was, I guess, one of the coaches told him, that the number to get into the NFL for sacks is 30 in a career. And he said he wants to average more than that. I think he said he wants to average more. So he wants to get 12 on an average year. So I think that like that kind of intensity gets me ready to go. Like I, I'm ready to watch him play because he was obviously one of the most recruited players in this country. Like we, we both watched his commitment. Like I, mean, I think we had family over at my house and immediately I was like, oh, I have to go watch this guy. Text John immediately. Yeah, it was like 10. Dude, I was watching. I was glued to the TV. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. I'm I'm going to say that I I disagree. I don't think he has that big of a freshman year. Uh, I think he'll be a third down specialist at first. It's hard to get um experience along the line. Even though I'm a huge Oregon homer, it's fairly obvious. Um, although he's big, I don't. I think he'll be a third down specialist. I I see seven or eight sacks. But I think another boom guy is probably going to be uh, Chris Steele at USC, as much as I hate to say it, and uh, McCall right at Oregon, the corner. I think he's going to time early. Oh, my other boom guy, which I just thought of, uh, Ben Mason at Michigan. Michigan I don't know if... Did you know he may be playing D-tackle this year? Oh, he is playing D-tackle. Not maybe, he is. Oh, he is? Yeah, I heard that he's, de- he's definitely playing on the other side of the ball now. And I think he's up to, like, I think I heard 270, 275 he's up to. So he's a whole different, like, that's, so I, I'm excited to watch him play both sides of the ball. Because Michigan, like, does a, and especially Harbaugh, does a very good job of having guys play both ways. No, I I agree with that. Um, I think, well, they had Jabril Peppers do it, and that was just kind of hurt his development, I think. But Ben Mason, you're a fullback guy. He's, he's a true football guy. He is a true football guy. He's a great guy. All right, so for now we're going to get into our new segment called Hot on the Trails. We have Max Torres from Scoop Duck here with us. He's going to be joining us every week for the foreseeable future for this segment. And uh, Max, why don't you start us off with what your hot schools are? Or hot yeah, schools. for sure. Um, you know, first off, I just wanted to say thanks to the guys at College Football Talk Daily for letting me come on. Um, love talking to you guys and love talking football. So um, excited for this feature. Let's get into it. Um, starting off with my uh, hot school. Um, coincidentally, my hot school is Oregon, but they have been doing quite well um, in the past week coming off their Saturday Night Live uh, camp that they're putting on every year. Uh, they've gotten four recent commitments. Um, just going to go ahead and list them off. They got a four-star wide receiver, Johnny Wilson from Calabasas, 6'6", 225. He's you know, a really, really good playmaker. And uh, there were some, some worries that he was, you know, looking pretty pro Texas for a while. And I wasn't really expecting the commit when it happened. So that's awesome for them. He was in town for that Saturday night live camp. Um, and then moving down the list, they got three-star offensive lineman, Jalen Jeffers from Saguaro high school out in Arizona. He's only a three-star, but he plays rugby in the off season. So that touches on his athleticism and Saguaro's run six straight 
national or sorry not national state championships in Arizona so you know he's coming from a great school um, next up we have uh, Jonathan Dennis a four-star offensive guard from South Dade Florida he was one at one time he was a Miami commit and he had offers from all three of the, the major Florida schools Florida Florida State and Miami so that um, that shows you just how much of a national brand the Ducks are having to be able to bring a guy all the way across the country and then the last guy that they added was a three-star Juco uh, offensive lineman, TJ Bass from Butte College. Um, he didn't have a whole lot of offers, but he chose Oregon over offers from TCU, Auburn, Boise State, and West Virginia. And he was also one of those visitors at Saturday Night Live. So things are going pretty well for the Ducks out West. Yeah, so uh, a few things about that is uh, Johnny Wilson. He was a five-star until, like, recently, right? Like, I think yeah, two yeah, weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, he was. I don't know how you bump that guy down, but it's hardly a knock on him. I mean, he's one of the top wide receivers out west. Yeah, I actually, I read an article from uh, Rivals, I think, and uh, they said that in their next meeting, they're going to talk about bumping him back up to a five-star because he's been so good at camps. So that'll be oh, pretty yeah. big to keep the recruiting momentum going. And then I also saw with uh, Saturday Night Live, it's becoming, like, a bigger and bigger uh, thing for Oregon, and I noticed this year there was a lot of 2021 guys there, so that's it's gonna be huge for the Ducks. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're cool. I, I was just gonna say, yeah, it's it's really big. We've seen it become, you know, the second biggest recruiting event of the year for them after the spring game, and it's you know really becoming important. I think in recruiting, like you were saying, getting those 2021 guys on campus and you know starting those relationships early, so that you can you know looking forward wrap up that class and just, you know, organize your priorities and keep moving forward. Yeah, so uh, you said uh, Dennis, uh, Jonathan Dennis was a uh, Miami commit, or was that? Yeah, he, he was a Miami commit uh, at one point, and then um, he had a, I was looking on his Twitter, and he said, the next commitment I make, I'm sticking with it. So that ended up being the Ducks, and you know it's pretty solid if you are if you have all those offers from those schools in, in state, and you're going to go cross-country. Yeah, so that's the second former Miami commit the Ducks have committed. Uh, that's what that was interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jordan Devontae um, Williams. That's awesome. Yeah, we don't know how committed he is, but... Yeah, um, we'll have to see. <laughs> all right, so my hot team was actually Texas because they stole back Bajan Robinson out of Arizona, right out of Ohio State's hands. He was actually reportedly an Ohio State silent commit for a while, before about three days before his commitment. He flipped to Texas. So oh, I didn't know that. That's big. Yeah, it, he was like almost like guaranteed. Like I think it was a hundred percent crystal ball. Yeah, crystal ball was a hundred percent Ohio State, and then I don't. It just like flipped two days before, and he ended up at Texas. So that's big for Texas. And then last late last night, I was actually asleep. I saw this when I woke up. They got a four-star DB out of Florida in Ethan Pouncey. He's a six-one, so that's pretty good height for a. Uh, corner and are recruiting florida for texas is big because if they could recruit texas and florida they could probably challenge oklahoma because oklahoma is probably the top team in the big 12 at the moment and oh, then yeah, they, they also got a four-star linebacker from uh i think he's from kansas Derek harris jr he's a 2021 commit so they got two four stars and a five star this week so i thought they were doing pretty good yeah, they're really they're really out there. I mean, people are wondering, you know, is Texas back per se? I mean, they had a huge uh, a huge bowl game last year. Um, I think it was against Georgia, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it was against Georgia. 
yeah, that was huge. I mean, that's a big win for them. You know, trying to get back into that, maybe the, in the playoff conversation. And when you're going up against Oklahoma, you got to recruit your butt off. And that's certainly what the Longhorns are doing, especially in this class and in 2021, like we were saying. Yeah, uh, actually, I mean, I don't know. This is probably before you followed us. But uh, on one of our, um, like, our four or five episodes in a row, we got asked the same question, is Texas, is Texas back? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just it got so old that we stopped answering it there was one time we read the question and we just didn't say anything after it for like a minute <laughs> all right well where, where do you stand john are they back in your opinion uh i think so i predicted them to win the big 12 this year wow that's bold it, it is yeah. bold but i think oklahoma's defense is shaky yeah, I mean, as it has been for a while, but I think Texas is, you know, they have the pieces together. Sam Ellinger looks like the real deal. And, you know, Oklahoma isn't a sure thing. I think that's the attractive pick that everyone wants to make, but that's why we got to play the schedule. Yep. All right, so uh, what do you have for your cold team? Yeah, so um, for cold, um, I actually had a little combination of two teams. Uh, but starting off, I had Penn State with a little bit of a cold hit. Um, they had a four-star 2021 wide receiver, Dante Thornton, uh, decommit recently. He was actually in town for um, the Oregon Saturday Night Live camp. So it looks like that visit gave him a lot to think about, and he wants to reevaluate his options, but he has plenty of time. So he was a four-star guy, rated a 97.83. So it'll be cool that the Ducks are back in, that, uh, in, that, um, in his recruitment. Um, and then for my cold team... My other cool team, I guess you'd say, is uh, USC, which um, honestly should come as a surprise to a lot of people. Just looking at the statistics, they're ranked number 57 nationally with their 2020 class and number seven in the Pac-12 coming behind, coming in ranked behind teams such as Colorado, Arizona State, California, Stanford, Washington, and Oregon. And they're, they have 10 commits which is pretty low. I mean, Oregon has 19 right now, and they've kind of gotten ahead of the game. But um, they're coming in at an average rating of .8664, which isn't terrible. But, like, when you're USC, like, you know, you are you have all that elite talent right there in your backyard in L.A., and they're usually in the game for four- and five-star guys all the time. And one of the one of their big targets, uh, the number one inside linebacker, Justin Flo, for the 2020 class, he uh, recently announced his top four. And USC didn't make the cut. Um, four schools were Clemson, Miami, Georgia, and Oregon. So um, it's crazy. Crazy things happened in LA by them with them not being able to, you know, pull in the guys that you'd think. Yeah, see, now that one, like, really shocked me because the Justin Flo uh, top four, because, like, on his crystal ball, it was actually only Clemson and uh, USC. Like, Oregon wasn't even on there, and neither was uh, Miami. So I, I was like, okay. We, I really hope we get him and maybe Saval Smalls, but yeah, I, was, I mean, I, sorry, go for it. Oh, I, I was just shocked to see that Oregon wasn't in his crystal ball, and I was pleasantly surprised to see his uh, top four. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, kind of like a similar deal like they had with Micah Pittman. He released his top schools. Oregon wasn't even in it, and then they, you know, came roaring back and you know gave him the red carpet treatment. But with Flo, I think what happens a lot with these USC guys. Um, I actually talked to, I think it was Anthony Beavers. I'm not 100% sure, but I was talking to a duck commit from LA and I was like asking him why um, USC isn't, you know, getting as many of these California guys. And they're saying it's because, um, because they're kind of relying on reputation 
to pull the weight in their recruitment. And then they, do, they prioritize the out-of-state guys. And then they come circling back around. And these L.A. guys are already, you know, being prioritized by these other schools. So just kind of a note, a note there. Yeah, I think that's a problem when uh, schools fail to recruit their own backyard. I usually that's like that's a recipe for like disaster because Absolutely. you got to keep the in-state guys home. Like I know, uh, like my favorite school, Rutgers, ter- does a terrible job at keeping in-state talent home, and they go to bigger programs and succeed. So I think USC has to turn that around if they want to be successful in the future. Yes, they definitely need to, and we'll have to see what happens with Clay Holton's job because we always know head coaches moving makes things harder in recruiting. Yeah, well, sometimes you get that that boost though, and guys finish the class better. But I, I don't know. I think if they fire Clay Helton and get a guy like maybe Urban Meyer, maybe they can get back in with some of these guys. But I don't think Urban's coming back. Yeah, I feel like he's going to coach somewhere, but where he ends up is you know still to be determined. So going to be a storyline to watch with Helton's seat so hot this season. Yeah, uh, one of our members, uh, Matt, actually predicted he gets fired week three. <laughs> yes. So, I mean, I'm all for it. Yeah, I wonder if they give him the Lane Kiffin, like, fired on the runway treatment, though. Yes, just, I remember you guys were talking about that, I think, in our Pac-12 episode that I did with you. That'd be yeah, just, so humiliating. But Yeah, just be like, yeah, you, you, you can't come back on the plane. Find your own way home. <laughs> all right, but uh, so my yeah, cold, cold team, team. is uh, Ohio State. They missed out on their top two running back targets in Bajan Robinson, who was silently committed for reportedly a few months. And then uh, Kendall Milton, another five-star running back, who had his top two as Georgia and Ohio State, and he chose Georgia. And their third choice is a four-star running back out of New Jersey, Jalen and he's likely going to go to conference rival Penn State because he's uh, he went there for their like a uh, like their equivalent of Saturday Night Live, which mm-hmm. I, I think their thing is a Friday night, so I'm, I'm not too sure. But he was up there and he like loved it, and all the reports are saying that like he loved Penn State. His crystal ball shifted to like 80% Penn State, and it's close to home. So I think that's where he'll end up going. Dang. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that all that was going on with Ohio State. Um, like when you told me they were your cool team, I was a little shocked because they had, they had been doing pretty decently, um, you know, in the past couple of weeks that I had been following them. They got, you know, Clark Phillips out of La Habra and SoCal. They also got a. Uh, uh, Court Williams, one of the first guys that I interviewed from St. John Bosco. So we're seeing kind of a an exodus of like the top talent on the West Coast going to these blue bloods or just away from the West Coast. And I think that's why we're seeing conferences like the Pac-12 struggle. But looks like not everything is all sunshine and rainbows at Ohio State with uh, when it comes to recruiting. Oh, I mean, they're like a cool team because like I think they still have the third ranked uh, recruiting class. So it's not yeah. like it really killed them, but. Running backs wise, it definitely hurt a little bit. And uh, you made an interesting point about uh, top talent leaving the West Coast because I think that's why you're seeing like teams like Oregon try to recruit nationally now because yeah. a lot of the West Coast guys are going out elsewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, when you bring in a guy like Cristobal, who was the national recruiter of the year in 2015, he's not going to be afraid to, you know, throw those offers uh, around the country and. I mean, Oregon's gotten commits from, I think it was 10 different states the last time I checked. I mean, they got two guys from Florida, one from Oklahoma, um, Luke Hills from Maryland, I believe, Jalen Jeffers from Arizona, and we got California guys obviously well represented. So it's really all over the place, but I think it, it just adds one more dimension to, to recruiting and makes it more interesting to follow. Yeah. Also, did you know all of those states like off the top of your head that where those guys are from? 
for the most part, yeah. I mean, I, obviously, I had some notes in front of me for other stuff, but not for that part. I was just off the dome. Oh, that was that was impressive. Thank you. <laughs> but all right, I think that wraps up this week's uh, segment for Hot on the Trails. Uh, let us know what you think of the teams we chose, and uh, we'll see you back next week. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. I got a Uzi in this sound like. Ooh. I got a Draco in this sound like. Sheesh, knock and the bullets explosive, falling, you get stood over. Can't run out of bullets in the shootout, taking my time, counting as I'm blowing. Yeah, drumsticks, guitar size ARs, we a little band. Rapper diss me, I'm at every show like I'm his biggest fan. Hollows in that sprinter van, gon' leave somebody crippled, man. You see your DJ brain come through his head, you'll turn religious, man. Having my way, I see yourself at the range, it's practice, okay? Dead bodies in the hood, poor ass. All right, so we here with Class of 2020, uh, came on Rucker, he is... Uh, three-star committed to UNC. Thanks for coming on. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Uh, so like the regular uh, layout of the interviews, we're going to start with some questions and then you know, we'll probably make our way around following some of the questions. I know John has all of his written down. Yep. Uh, so, John, you just want to get it going right away? Yeah. My first question for you is uh, you won the defensive line MVP award opening in Charlotte. What was that like? Um. Well, that was like like one of the dream come true, I guess, man. Cause I like I I watched the opening and all that kind of stuff, regionals and all that kind of stuff. Like I watched it when I was back in middle school, ninth grade, tenth grade, and stuff like that. And then finally having an opportunity to actually win MVP, it was it was it was crazy, man. I didn't I was speechless. I was lost for words. Yeah, that that must have been pretty cool. I mean, I can only imagine what that was like. Okay. Uh, Oh wait, we were gonna say my bad. No, no, I was just saying, yeah, it was like it was, it was a it was a great feeling celebrating with my dad, my uncle who came with me, man. It was just, it was pretty cool, man, and just like one of the people out of my area to actually accomplish something like that is just, I guess I kind of felt like a trendsetter. So it's like just make it open doors for other people for behind me, in my area to actually go to stuff like that and conquer the competition. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so this North Carolina class is shaping up to be like one of the best UNC classes ever. Uh, do you, you want to talk about like, do you guys have like a special bond, like anyone you're close with in the class? Um, I haven't really actually met all of them yet, but we do have a group chat on the phone and we just, we connect with each other, keep in contact with each other, man. See when a couple of us are going on campus and stuff like that. Um, this past month in July they they had like a little cookout get together kind of thing to show off their new um weight room their locker room and their field sadly I couldn't make it we had like a little um community camp going on at my school so I wanted to be a part of that but um all, at that point pretty much all the commits were over there and I hate that I missed it but we pretty much keep each other in the loop we um talk about whatever whenever I guess whatever 16, 17, 18 year olds, teenagers talk about. So <laughs> it's just, it's just like we keep each other close though. And so it's like once we all actually get on campus in the next year, it's not like we're gonna be complete strangers. We already pretty much know each other. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I, I know you do a charity work. You go to church and everything. So it sounds like you're like a great guy. Like, yes, sir. I, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I guess I, I guess I can consider myself a good person. I mean, you're on our podcast. It's all about tooting your own horn. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Mac-, Mac Brown, what is he like? Is like meeting him like? like it's um, a future head coach. 
Coach Matt Brown. All right, so let me go ahead and just um, be honest with you. At first, I did not know Coach Brown well, but my my parents did, especially my dad. When he saw it, my dad was like looking at him like he was a dang god or something. He was just like looking at me. He was like, came in as Coach Matt Brown, shake his hand, hurry. And I was just like, I was like, Coach Matt Brown, where? Who is he where? And I was just like crazy. But then once I done my research on him and stuff like that, Coach Brown is a very, very legendary and prestigious coach, man. Just the um, accolades that he's received and what he's done at past colleges before coming to UNC. Yeah, it's a blessing having him at North Carolina because he's bringing not only his legacy, but also some knowledge and wisdom that he's learned over the years of him coaching. And it's great. And I feel like it's a great opportunity for me to feed off on and just apply it to my life and teach it to others, if so. So coaching, being coached by Mac Brown, being recruited by Mac Brown and talking to him one-on-one individually, receiving an offer for him, from him, it just really um, puts into my mind how much it means to know him and and get a and get to have a relationship with him in the future and also currently. Yeah. So uh, when you committed to UNC, like, uh, what about North Carolina like stood out to you that was uh different from other schools? Because you have a lot. Um, what stood out to me? It was just the people, man. I like. I'm I'm a very social person. I like talking to pe- new people, man. Meeting new meeting new people, meeting um seeing new places. And the social life and the people there, how they greeted you, it's not, it was like genuine. It's not like if you don't come here, oh well. It's like if you step foot on campus, you are a Tar Heel through and through. And if not, you're gonna, we're going to have problems. And so, <laughs> like, if you even utter the words North Carolina State, oh, they'll beat you down. But <laughs> it's, um, but I like the people over there, man. When I first came on the campus, they greeted me like I, I, like I've been there before. And um, the facility is beautiful, man. The setting in Chapel Hill is beautiful. And I just see, I could just really see myself there. And um, it didn't take, it didn't take much. And I'm not, I'm not stubborn. I'm not that, I'm like, I'm not that easy to please. So, I mean, like, it's just like, it was like one of those situations. I was like, man, I can really, really see myself here just to, campus social life and academic part of it and the academic part of it of unc is just like crazy because it's like one of the top places to get your scholarships from academically because they just excel in that field and so i could just really see myself through and through over there at unc yeah for sure uh, uh matt did you have anything you wanted to uh, say yeah because we were just talking about before mac brown it was kind of funny because i mean I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but we're not like so far apart in age. Like we we just graduated high school, like guess two years ago now. So we're kind of like in the same boat, yeah. where like Mac Brown, like I only knew Mac Brown's name because one of our uh, administrators in our school was on his staff the first time he was at UNC. So like whenever we would talk, he always brought up Mac Brown's name. My dad always spoke highly of Mac Brown, and I was always just like, that's this guy who's you know, pretty good coach. But then you like you, like you said, you looked at his resume, like you know he has a national championship under his belt. Yeah, uh, he's won the Big Twelve. And he was, you know, he was great at Texas for all those years. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I thought that was pretty funny that you brought that up. Yeah. But so like, was that kind of like one of those things where after, because like when you were in the moment, you were kind of like weren't fully aware of who you were meeting. But after, did you like reflect on it and you were like, wow, like that's Mac yeah, Brown. I guess this is like a high end guy. 
Oh, yeah, man. It's just like, at first, I mean, like, I treat every coach with respect. Everyone that I meet, I treat everyone with respect, man. And then, um, so with meeting the head coach, I mean, like, you're going to have to, like, basically flip a switch. It's like, I act proper, stand straight, do all this other kind of stuff, etiquette stuff. And I'm just, like, making sure I do not mess this up. If I mess this up, I may, this could really blow my chances of getting a scholarship or not. So I was just like, okay. Just do not mess up. And I promise you, I think I stuttered when I first said, hey, so I think I kind of <laughs> messed up that boat. But um, just, just, but meeting Coach Brown, he was just he's he's a pretty, pretty cool dude, man. He's just like he's very genuine through and through. He was just meeting me and and just hugging me, man. I, I don't even think I had a head coach hug me ever. And he did it. And I was just like, I didn't know how to feel about it. I was just like, is um okay but i mean like <laughs> it was it was pretty cool man because i mean like he's that kind of shows that he's that's how he is like it's nothing different he's not trying to act tough he's not trying to put on this um arrogant persona and stuff like that this is coach mac brown and who you see is who you're going to get when you meet this dude and this is who you're going to get for a generation for like has meant as long as you know this dude and um but at first I met him and he shook my hand, hugged me and stuff. And I was just like, okay, this um, coach is hugging me. Uh, how do I feel about this? But, I mean, it was pretty cool. And then, like I said, um, my dad was just like, you know who Coach Matt Brown is, right? And I'm just like, um, no, not really. And so, like, I actually, like, after the camp and stuff, after I received my offer, I was excited about it and stuff like that. I received the offer at the camp from um, Coach Matt Brown and, um, and the defensive coordinator, and I was just like, I was just really, really excited Him from Coach Brown and Coach Bateman giving me the offer. And so, like, when I was riding back home in the car, and I looked up Coach Mac Brown, and I was just reading all his accolades. I was just like, oh, well, I, should, I really should have took that hug a little bit better than what I should have. But um, Just hug him back. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was like, yeah. Um, let, let's rewind that back real quick. But um, it was it was a good it was a cool experience, man. I just I'm I'm actually glad that I've met pretty much a legendary coach. He is literally he's li- literally a legend. He is a Hall of Fame. He is he coach. got ducked in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and so like I was just like in my mind, I'm like I just got hugged by a Hall of Fame coach. Holy crap, this is for real. So it's 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 pretty cool, man, and it was an awesome experience meeting him and and what the what he's bringing to the table at UNC. Yeah. So when I was looking on on your sorry, John, when I was looking on your two four seven profile. It said on there, and I'm not, I'm not sure if it's hundred percent, but it said you had you held offers from both. I think it was Army and Navy. Mm-hmm. So like when you go on those visits, like to the academy schools, was there any major difference like from that to like um like a Louisville or a North Carolina, like the difference in just like approach of the uh, the visit itself. Um, sadly, I didn't take a visit to Army. I was actually planning on it this past summer, but um, they like all the spaces were full and all that kind of stuff, and they wanted mm-hmm. me to take it unofficial. But um, um, unfortunately, finances were got in the way of that. But um, I did go to Na- I did go to the Naval Academy up in Annapolis, and um, their campus is beautiful as well, and their standards are set so high. Now, I like how the players just kind of – not kind of, but, like, I like how the players just vibe off of that, and they will set that bar. And if they, if they don't set – if they don't get to that bar, then they hold themselves accountable. It's not like coaches are telling them, get your crap together or get get yourself, like, in the zone or something. It's all player-driven. I mean, like, I don't even see – 
a coach running anything. It's mainly players getting on players, players um, guiding young, like, freshmen or sophomores who don't know what they're doing, and they're telling them, look, this is what you do, and da-da-da-da-da. And so I feel that same vibe from the Naval Academy to UNC. It's nothing different. It's just that you just don't have an armed forces pathway. It's just like um, the coaches, they are there to coach. Like they are really there to coach, but it is all player driven. You have player driven leaders that hold each other accountable and it's nothing different. And um, I met some of the players and I met Tamar Fox actually, um, their defensive tackle, I think Crawford, number 92. I met both of them and they and I just meeting them for the first time. I can I can obviously tell like it's not a coach's thing. Like they they know what is in stake for this year, and they feel like they could get that ACC championship, which I believe they can get also because looking at what they have going on, man, it's gonna be hard to stop North Carolina this year, man. And just like seeing the leadership and togetherness that the team holds, and I just feel like that's there's really no burn bridge from what. I've seen at Navy to UNC. Yeah, that, that's actually crazy that, like, the players are, like, the leaders because, I mean, you seem like you're, like, the leader type because you're, like, very, like, high standard kind of guy. Um, yes. I was actually going to ask, like, what are your, like, uh, goals for this uh, senior season that you have coming up? Um, my goals for this season, man, it's, it's, not, it's not a lot. I feel like I've accomplished a lot that I wanted to do um, this past year as my junior year because, I mean, like, junior year is supposed to be, like, the quote-unquote breakout year for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like I've kind of held that to my standard, I guess. I finished, like, with 81 tackles, 19 tackles for loss, and eight sacks. So I feel like that was a pretty good – that was a pretty good standard-setting thing for me because it's pretty much – I, that was my first year playing defense in past time. I've been playing offensive tackle, offensive guard, and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. But um, but this past year, getting um, region defensive player of the year, making it all state, first team, and um, recruit Georgia, and then making second team in Atlanta Journal, and then all other stuff I made honorable, honorable mention. That just kind of shows like how – how intense my gameplay is. And then I also had some weightlifting goals that I accomplished this past year. And then it's, it was, it was a pretty cool year. So I could say that last year was my breakout year, but I feel like the main goal for this year for me is to get player, not offense or defensive player of the year is to get player is my region's the um, player of the year and also break our um, single season sack record, which I believe in the postseason is 16. Yeah, that's a so, lot of sacks. Yeah, that's a lot of sacks. I was halfway there last year, and then if I get my tackling under control, I actually I feel like I probably would have got either right behind it or I would have tied with it last year. But um, but I feel like this year is a pretty good year for me, man. I've learned a lot more. I, I feel like I'm I'm a more mature defensive end or outside linebacker hybrid kind of person. I feel like I matured more in that field. And I take more most of my thinking out of it because I know when you think, you hesitate. And when you hesitate, you can't make plays. So, I mean, like I feel like with this year coming to coming up, I feel like I'm matured in that position. And I feel like I'm going to make a lot more plays than I have been doing. That's awesome. Uh, I, good luck on getting player of the year and chasing the sack record. Oh, yeah, school. thank you. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate it. 
so my, my last question for you is uh you said you earned the offer at unc right yes sir. at the camp so like how what was that car ride like home with you and your dad you know earning an offer from mac brown you know um well it was it was on me actually my mom came with me so that was a pretty good experience for her as well but um but the ride back home was crazy like we couldn't stop talking about it there was like i mean like when when i do something like that's accomplished like in that area I post it. I mean, like I post it on Twitter. I pretty much post all of my accomplishments on Twitter or social media or any of that sort. Keep the positive vibe going. And um, I mean, the second that I posted it, there was so many UNC people follow me. That like I'm talking about, they their fan base is off their, you know what? Like it's just <laughs> like it, like I'm talking about people congratulating me. I can't I can't wait to see it, Chapel Hill. Can't wait to see you play. Da, 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 da. Like I'm talking about, I promise you, there was about like a hundred people from like a UNC <laughs> fan base that followed me, and I, that's when I pretty much hit a thousand. So I mean, like that was, I was just like, okay, y'all really just did me a favor. <laughs> but um, but the talk me and my parents had, man, it was just like, this is a big deal, man. Like that was my second Power Five offer, um, aside from Louisville, and um, and I was just, I was just really happy about it, man. I was telling my I was telling my family, my other folks, I was just telling them I got my offer and they were saying congratulations and then they go on talking about Mac Brown and at this point I still didn't do my research, so I'm just like, Oh um, yeah, Mac Brown, I don't know about him, but I will later. But um <laughs> but it was just like it was a very, very appealing thing and I was just I was just happy as I'll get out because any person that gets a D like a D one power five offer from any school it's just going to be happy because like when you're little, you look up to people and you see them getting offers. You see a whole bunch of letters on their table coming in the mail and stuff like that. And you're like, I want to do stuff like that. I didn't really see that happening when I grew up. Like, you know, like I had a lot of talent that came through my school, but it's just like, it's always been an academic thing or a, or like a social thing that they had going on that did really excel them to the next level. So with me, I felt like socially I was fine, academically I was fine, and just like now that I've actually had that opportunity to get a hold of some Power Five offers, and it was just it was a dream come true, man. I couldn't I could not be thankful for more. I couldn't thank God more for stuff like that. So yeah, that's awesome. This is probably one of like the best interviews you like a recruit. So uh, thank you for this because you know you're very well spoken and you give like long answers. Oh, so yeah. we appreciate that. Oh yeah, no problem. All right, so uh, just the last little thing here is uh, we usually transition into these interviews with uh, your favorite song. So uh, what do you think we should use? Uh, well, y'all interviewing me, so what kind of questions y'all got for me, man? I can answer pretty much anything. Well, I'm just saying, like, what kind of what kind of music do you like? Like, what kind of song should we uh, put in? All right, uh, favorite song. Like you listen to like any Atlanta rappers, cause like I'm a pretty big rap fan. Like I feel that. Um, here's the thing, man. I'm not a big rap person, but if I had to give you one, there's one person that I've been listening to lately. He's probably he is gonna be on my pregame hype list for a Friday nights. But I will probably say, God's Warrior to you, Grizzly. That is that is a legit song. I actually like that song. So if you wanna. 
say if you want to put that out, tell them Kamen Rucker put you on and God's Warrior T Grizzly. That is that's that's gonna be the song. All right, that that would be the headline of the podcast. Kamen Rucker put me on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put put you on. That's gonna be that's gonna be the headline. So. That that'll be the title. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, man. Uh, like always, you know, uh, thank you for coming on. Um, oh, yeah. Not sure if we have, but you know, congratulations on the UNC uh, commitment. Uh, it's obviously a big milestone for you. Uh, we'll keep an eye out for 16 or oh, 17 sacks this year. We want to break the record, right? So we're oh, going to yeah. keep an eye out for that. And then um, we'll, we'll try to get you back on before we step on campus, you know, touch ground again. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Appreciate you for having me. And thank you all for having me again. So. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed that interview. And I also hope you guys enjoyed High on the Trails with Max. Um, you know, we're, like I said, we're grateful to have him on. The guy knows a lot about uh, recruiting. He knows more on the West Coast than we do because we are not from the West Coast. Uh, so we will see you guys next week. Uh, hopefully Mike is not working for that one. And we can have Mike back. So I, I guess we'll catch you guys next week. See you guys then.